Toronto. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. We are here to feel your Rockets news. This is the Rocket Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am your co-host, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops, and you can always find my written work at the Dream Shake, which is presented by SB Nation. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Anthony Duckett. How are you doing today, AD? I'm doing well, man. Another day in paradise. I can't complain. <laughs> Another day in Rockets Twitter paradise. Uh, before we get, before we introduce our guest here, why don't you let us know where we can find all your content? You can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Find me on IG at Antho Duckett. And also be sure to uh, check out the Rocket Field podcast. Of course, of course. And before we uh, go into our topics, I want to let our guests introduce themselves to the Rocket Field podcast as well. I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. Uh, my name is Frank F Tank Fifty Eight on Twitter. I'm a, a Rockets fan, diehard hoop head. Um, I also do content for the HTX Chop Shop YouTube um, channel. So, um, a pleasure to be on with you guys. I love the work you guys do, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk some basketball. Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on. And we were telling yeah. you right before we got on, uh, got on the recording, we were telling you about. You're definitely one the space we actually listen to. <laughs> None against the other ones, but of course, you know, I'm older. You know, I, I, I tend to not gravitate necessarily to some of the other stuff that be talked about sometime on the other spaces. So we appreciate you coming out with your spaces and uh, we definitely gonna be checking it out as the year, you know, comes up and, and also everything y'all doing over at the chop shop, man. I love the analysts because you know, yeah. everybody can do the, you know, the, the, the few characters on Twitter, but y'all actually be breaking down different films. So I definitely like that. Something different, something actually educational on Rockets Twitter. So we appreciate that. No, for sure. And, and you know, it's just like like you, I'm a little older in the fan base. I guess we're considered older because, you know, there's some old, old, old fans. But um, <laughs> yeah. just wanted to create a space where people could come on and learn or even just talk basketball without yeah. – you know, any of the stuff. So I think it's, it's even though if you come on, you know, come in our space, go to a chop shop, we just try to make content that'll make people that already know basketball think a little deeper and get into those conversations. So, you know, I appreciate you know, all the support that everybody has been showing us. So we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And like I say, if you haven't checked it out, you know, chop shop, I know y'all have your YouTube videos, make sure y'all are definitely checking that out. If y'all Great want some actual real basketball content. Great content. And, and speaking of basketball content, we actually have some, Topics already set up that we were going to talk about, like we normally do before we jump on the show. But of course, as with any day in Rockets Twitter, there's always the, the normal back and forth when it comes to Rockets basketball, whether it's the offseason, which it is right now, or actual games being played. So I just wanted to start off with before we get into some of our other topics, which is going to be like the rotation outside of the starting five. And then in the second segment, we're going to actually try to have a little bit of fun talking about our Mount Rushmore Rockets players and also talk about our top three. Uh, Rockets playoff games outside the championship years. But uh, I want to start off with, of course, a hot topic of the day of every single day for the last three years, it seems. <laughs> and as Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, so, Frank, I kind of want to start there and get your opinion on it. Of course, the, the big thing has been whether to extend Kevin Porter Jr. or not to extend him, whether, you know, his past, you know, on-court issues or off-court issues should factor into whether the Rockets should extend him. But what's kind of your opinion just overall on Kevin Porter Jr. as a point guard and on, and on what the Rockets should do in this upcoming season, whether they should just hold off and wait to see what he does or try to jump ahead of it and, and extend him now? Yeah, I, I think I'll probably go back and forth with this um, as far as the contractual side of things. Because, you know, on the contract side, if you look at it from the team standpoint, it's, uh, it's prudent for them to um, either if they're going to extend him early, it has to be at a major discount. Yeah. Because essentially right now the market is the Rockets. So you don't want to put yourself in a position where you paying for a commodity you don't really know the value for. So if they can wait, you know, and the other half will be to wait till um, this the end of this year, let him go into unrestricted free agency and see what he brings back. Um, you know, obviously there's downsides to both. I think if you extend them early, maybe you overpay a little bit. Um, if you wait, maybe you do um, end up losing a couple million dollars because he has a great season and blah, blah, you know, that'll be like the dream scenario. 
him as a player, I, I, I don't look at him as, you know, defined as a point guard. Like, I think that was something that the team wanted to do. And the context of him moving to that role was when we lost James Harden. So it made sense that they got this young talent. We didn't have a Jalen Green or Jabari or any of these guys back then. So they put this thing on him to, to become this heliocentric player that we wanted to build a team around. And circumstances have changed. But I don't think it's something that you should abandon early. But I don't think it should be forced either. His skill set just tells me he can play basketball at the NBA level. Uh, we know that. And uh, I think for him, it's going to be whether in that point guard role or the dominant ball handler is, can he make the reads to make the guys around him better? And he struggles with that. It's never been a question about his uh, hooping ability or how great of an individual talent he is. It's a question of you have more talent on the team now with Jabari. That's a non-dominant uh, ball handler player that needs somebody to set him up. You got Shangun. You have Jalen Green. We're going to get another draft pick. Can you be the guy that has the ball in your hands and make all of those guys better and feel comfortable in the offense? I think that's what he needs to answer. Yeah, and a real quick follow-up question before AD jumps in. Uh, about being a playmaker and being a facilitator, um, is that something that you just think that he just – it's a matter of experience? Because as we all know, he wasn't a point guard at Cleveland. He really didn't run point in college. It was something the Rockets tried to – pretty much make him a point guard once they traded uh, for him from Cleveland. I mean, they put him in the G League. He ran point guard there. Is it just a matter of experience? Do you think that's something that he can gain? Or is it also a combination of experience and also having just better teammates around him to where he actually feels comfortable getting them the ball to know that once he gives the ball to them, they're actually going to do something with it? Mm, that's a great question. And I was actually thinking about that today. I think point guard is like playing quarterback. It's like one of them things you're born to do. Like yeah. if we're talking about a, a true point, like a real, like a the guy that runs the show floor general, like the things that Luca and uh, and LeBron and James Harden and these guys do, you don't teach that, you know. Yeah. But I think what you can learn to read a pick and roll and be able to make the right pass. I think you can teach those things. What Kevin Porter brings that's God given for him is his ability to score. And I think if he can lean into using that strength then learn how to just make the basic read. You know, if you get a guy come help, pass it to the guy he's coming off, coming off to help from. You know, just little things like that, you can definitely learn that. And I think that's why the Rockets, that's why I think they should keep him around because he also, you know, we talk about the playmaking, but he's a, he, he's a bucket. And yeah. I think that's something that you want to explore and maybe you can teach him some of these things and as he matures, he'll pick that up. Yeah, see, that, that's actually a good point. Um, I, I feel like, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on, you know, we think about a point guard in past years definitions, like a pass first traditional point guard. But the next, the current wave, there's no, besides Chris Paul, you don't really have many true traditional pass first point guards. You have like the like a Dame Lillard model, like a John Morant model, like yeah. players who have, you know, some court vision, but they're mostly getting assists because they create offensive gravity. And now, that, now there's a guy open. To me, that's kind of KPJ. I feel like KPJ, as you mentioned, he, he's more of a bucket. He's a scorer. Now, he is a good passer, but I don't necessarily think that he's a primary facilitator, a primary creator. But you don't really need that right now. You're in a positionless era of basketball where you don't need your primary facilitator to be at the point guard position. So KPJ can still get buckets and still get – I mean, he's averaging 16-6, and six, and you could argue he still doesn't really know what he's doing in the current role that they've had him playing, you know, a lot of times we, early in the year, I feel like we saw him, you know, um, overanalyzing or, you know, being late on the pass or, you know, just just trying to read too much. And it felt like the game became easier for him when he just focused on getting buckets, scoring. You, you know, we saw a three-point shot, got a lot better, a lot better from the previous season, the catch and shoot, you know, him realizing that I can drive to the basket or, I, you know, I can go in my bag or my jump shot. So I feel like in a quarterback example is really good because – you have like a pass-first quarterback, like a traditional archetype, like a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, or you have a quarterback like a, like a Lamar Jackson or Mike Vick. Both those guys can still get it done just different ways. These guys are not necessarily your traditional quarterback by definition, but they can still be effective and efficient in that role, you know, playing that spot. So I feel like KPJ, when it comes to you know, the point guard thing, like, and really to be honest, I'm kind of pivoting a little bit here, but I feel like what doesn't get discussed enough is the fact that, 
you know, he's done all the Rockets have asked him to do on the court. For example, like him playing a point guard spot, he never played that position before. You know, and we saw, you could argue that maybe it might be hurting himself contract wise to be doing that because, again, he's, you know, he's still some, some learning there, some growth to be had there, but he still was willing to play that, take on that role because they asked him to do it. You know, when it comes to the dollars, I, you know, I, I just feel like if, if you have the concern that, and this has been a common thing, not, you, you didn't say this, but it's been a common thing. Like if you have the concern of, well, maybe he might have another episode. And if that happens, then you won't be able to train him. To me, if I'm worried about that, then I would want to get him on a cheaper deal as possible because it will be easier to trade him if it comes down to it. You know, worst case scenario, like you said, if he balls out and now the price goes up, you know, maybe you're looking at like a Jalen Brunson type situation where that would be perfect. It would be ideal if that happens for the Rockets. But now you're paying him in the 20s. You know, I think I would rather get him at 15 a year, 16 a year now, as opposed to, you know, that price tag goes up and then it would be. I mean, you probably have to throw in a first-round pick if you want to trade him if that happens again, you know? That's true. Yeah. I mean, and that's a good point. And another thing I want to bring up just about Kevin Porter Jr. and ask you, Frank, how much does uh, Alperin Shangoon play into this as well? Because we all know that the ball is going to be in his hand even more this year than it was uh, in his rookie season just because he's going to be playing more minutes with Christian Wood gone. And the coach Salas wants to actually run an actual offense this year, something that he probably hasn't been able to do in his first two years with the players going in and out and then having young, really young players last year. How much do you think Alperin Shagun can actually help Kevin Porter Jr. by taking some of that weight off of him being the only uh, primary facilitator? Because I think at the end of the day, you want KPJ doesn't have to be a traditional point guard, but he can't be a ball stopper either. Yeah, that's and, and that's that's to me the biggest part that makes all of this work. Um, if it was just KPJ and Jalen as like the main guys in our starting five that can handle the ball, we'd be in some trouble. But yeah, the fact that with the offense that Coach Silas runs with that five out, and uh, you know, I was discussing this with some people today. Uh, people assume five out means that it's five shooters out. A five out is just literally what it says. You could have five non shooters and play five out. Yeah. It just wants the bodies out the paint, and with that five standing at the top of the key. You're gonna see if they run it the way that it's supposed to look. Shangun should be the fulcrum of the of the offense because that initial pass to that big sets up all the motion uh, for you know with the handoffs and people coming yeah. off the screens and stuff like that. And him being a gifted passer, to me for Ke- Kevin Porter, his biggest issue right now, even with his development, is his pace. And I think sometimes he gets he slows the game down too much, especially with our team. We're not a good half court team. We're young. We're athletic push the ball, get it down the court, get it to the bigs, get it to the right people. If he can do that, I think uh, you pointed this out earlier, it's positionless. You know, it's it doesn't matter who really is the PG because Shangun could be initiating one play. Um, I did the the last video I did was on Jalen Green. And uh, when we play the Hawks, they let he had more uh, more of the initiation than Kevin Porter Jr. did in that game. And he was initiating. Jay Gubb can initiate. They have so many guys that can uh, take that can bring the ball up to court and set get into their sets that it really doesn't matter. I think at the end of the day, can Kevin Porter make guys around him better? And I think that's really what we're going to judge him off of, whether he fits. And one thing that I'll add, the more talent you get on a team, the more pressure it has on those ball handlers. It's cool when it's just him and Jalen. Yeah. And that's why I don't take a lot from the last few games. They were balling out. But I don't care to see that because – I want to see you ball out when with a talented roster. And it's easy to ball out when it's just you, Jalen, and a bunch of, you know, guys. Yeah. Even though we love Shangun and Jacob, you know, I don't have to pass him the ball. Can you function and be efficient with high level talent on the team? And if he can answer that, then I think he he'll be he'll do well. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into my, my next question. Talking about the Rockets' actual rotation. Of course, we won't really know what their rotation is until they get into training camp and then you have preseason games. And then you kind of see the, the rotation taking shape. But just speaking for right now, I want to ask you, Frank, as far as the Rockets rotation, we kind of know Eric Gordon's going to be more than likely a starter unless he gets traded, which way we know the Rockets work. That's not a guarantee anytime <laughs> soon. I mean, he could be on the roster for the next five years. Like I was talking with AD before we got on. He may be our Udonis Haslam at this point. Yeah. But more than likely, Silas trusts Gordon. So Gordon's going to start. But outside of the starting five, which I think is pretty much cemented at this point, who do you want to see as far as in the top, let's say, nine players 
um, because you still have K.J. Martin, even though it's been talks about him being traded, but he's still more than likely going to be on the roster. You still have Jay Sean Tate. You still have um, a couple of other players that are going to be coming off the bench. Garrison Matthews, players like that, Josh Christopher. Uh, then you have the Dacian Knicks and Ty Ty Washingtons of the world. So what do you want to see as far as the top maybe three or four players that are coming off the bench behind the starters? The way I see it is that they're going to have – and. You know, I'm going to be upfront. I do not. I did not like our rotations this past season. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a lot of the games we lost, even though we were trying to lose, they were lost. Just if you notice, uh, there were certain lineups that would do really well, and there were yeah. certain lineups that came in and secured the L. So um, I hope that was a thing of they, they weren't trying to win or be competitive. I hope it wasn't that, like not something just that we're just bad at that. But the way I would do it is I would have pools of rotating positions uh, that are paired together, meaning. Um, Jabari, Shangun, Atari, and Garuba are going to rotate four and five for me. And um, that's we'll just try to find minutes for them all in that pool of positions. At that three position, it's going to be Tari, KJ, um, Tate, and, and you know, EG, obviously. And they, they have to rotate within there. And in the one and two, it's going to be interchangeable. So you have four guards there, Gup, Jalen, KPJ, um, actually five uh, with Knicks and Ty Ty. I actually yeah. think Ty Ty is probably going to go to the Vipers. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, I can see that happening because honestly, it's not because he's bad or anything. It's just that there's not enough minutes and you don't want him just sitting on the bench. So he's a young guy. He needs to play. Yeah. So just with that, um, I think my biggest thing is I want to see Barry at the five. And if it's with a second unit, or I, you know, some way, somehow, I, I want to see him at the five because honestly – if Shangun is ends up being a player that maybe isn't like the most the best fit for what the team is trying to do, from what I seen in summer league, Jabari Smith, man, I know he's gonna get bigger. I seen his daddy. The dude is he's yeah. his frame says that he's gonna he's gonna get yoked up. Yeah. And I, I think people think he's gonna be the skinny kid. By the time he's 25, he might look like Giannis. Um that dude at the five is scary. Like it just defensively there's nothing you can do you can't run no sets because he shuts all of that down with his length athleticism good uh, uh, footwork um i, I want to see him at the five i want to see him and tari together on the court together yeah. uh, in certain lineups so I'm, i think they're going to go 11 deep uh this year obviously you have garrison also I, lo- I love what he does facing the floor don't love him on defense but i think him and tate or him and kj have to be paired together for the uh, shooting issues but yeah. yeah it's it's um there's a lot of guys that need need to be fed and i i think they're gonna have to go 11 or 12 deep yeah one more quick follow-up question for ad jumps in i want to ask you about let's say eric gordon is traded at some point before the trade deadline who would you consider moving into that starting lineup at small four because we know how much they love tate hopefully tate approves on his three-point shooting i mean the last 22 games of the year he actually shot over 37 percent from three do you mm-hmm. see tate pretty much moving into that starting small forward spot or it does it just depend on Tari's you know path if he continues to do what he did in the summer league do you see him eventually taking over at some point uh throughout this year as a starting small forward I think coach Silas would put Tate in there to, to me I it's, it just depends I don't want to relegate Tate to be a bench player I you know I yeah. hate when guys do that like he can be a, like we don't know what he's going to be um but if he comes back and shoots consistently, then, yeah, he deserves to start because I love all his intangibles and yeah. the, what he brings to the team. What I've seen is that him and Shangun don't mix. Yeah. Uh, they do not mix, like oil and water. Like when they're on the floor together, the spacing is horrible. It is so horrible because you got to think a lot of times when they we run our screens or they're doing pick and rolls, the, the player that has to come help is helping off a tape. And that player, and they yeah. just ignore him. And it, it just <laughs> destroys everything that you're trying to do. And Shangun is a non-shooter. I mean, it, it's, it's just a bad mix. So I would rather uh, either Tari or KJ. I'm really high on KJ. I think KJ is the most uh, underrated player on the team. Um, I, I would I would put, you know, Tari is still kind of young to get in there. I'll put KJ in there. But um, I know Coach Silas, is, uh, he's a he's a take guy. So I can definitely see that. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you in that. You know, if it's Silas's call, Silas would definitely put – Tate in there. Um, Silas also really values his vets and takes uh, obviously a younger guy, but you know, it's a couple years under his belt now, you know, and like you say, he does some things, his motor, especially the defensive tenacity, you know, 
um, among several things that he can do, is a concern having him and Singun, two non-shooters, you know, in, in the starting lineup. Um, I actually like KJ, but it seems like I don't know what he did to get in the doghouse. Maybe I, I'm not sure, but we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe there's something that has happened behind the scenes. Um, but I, I kind of want to ask you about EG because I feel like we've been talking about EG like, will he get traded or not for like three years straight now? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and now they're talking about should he get an extension? Which you know, that's a, I guess that's a different kind of conversation. Would you would you want to extend EG or do you think that you know because we have had offers in the past of a first round pick for EG, and I think even if you trade him this year, you're probably gonna get the same thing a late first round pick for a contender. Would you do that or would you want to extend him and you know keep him around as a veteran presence for the young guys? At this point, I mean, it's, it, it might even uh, – I've, I've been, like, beat to the head so much about this. I'm actually okay <laughs> with him staying, bro. I, like, I, I like you know, just – you know, obviously they, you don't want to give him anything crazy. They wore you down, huh? They wore me down. Man. I done bought <laughs> in. I, yeah, I got my EG post up now. Yeah, so, but, you know, I, we all love Eric Gordon. And I, I think what the, the idea behind trying to get him traded, also for him, do you want to win somewhere else? Or yeah, are you okay yeah. with just kind of rolling – out with us if he's okay with it i'm okay with it because i actually value what he brings um on the court like the dude can he is a really good player like and to me it's almost a shame he's on the rockets because i think his skill set um is so valuable a guy that can literally guard he can almost guard one through four because he's such a thick player that we've seen what he did when harden was here when we used to switch and get get him in the post um yeah, I'm okay with him staying. If they extend him, obviously, I don't think – I hope it's nothing nothing wild, but yeah. um, he balances out uh, that veteran presence. To me, not because he's vocal or – like Udonis is more of a vocal kind of a – EG yeah. but balances out on the court. Like he, yeah. when he plays, Jalen and KPJ do good. That's that's what I've seen. Like when he plays, they play better. And um, if, if he can be that guy that just calms everybody down, uh, it's actually better for the development of younger guys. We need vets. I know everybody yeah. wants to play all 20-year-olds, but uh, we do need some guys that have been in the NBA that can like kind of help them, like, no, you did that wrong, and let's let's try it this way or, you know, just different things like that. Yeah, yeah. and then also one last question. Well, go ahead, LaShawn. No, you no, no, yo, no, go ahead. I want to ask you more a little bit about KJ since you said, you know, you're a big K- KJ fan. You really can't find a lot of those on Rockets Twitter, I feel like. Okay, would you trade him for a second round pick do you, or, do, or do you think it, it's, it's worth it, you know, keeping him and having him fight for minutes and him maybe being unhappy about that? I mean, it's crazy to me. Like, I know he wasn't he was a 50 some uh, pick yeah. in the draft. He's what, 21, right? 21 right, years yeah. old. He's a baby. The dude is is out here guarding LeBron James. He's he's one of our best defenders. He's a consistent 35, 36 percent three point shooter. He's a role, uh, a lob threat. He's a weak side shot blocker. I think he's a great prospect. I, I don't see why there's this souring on him because something his dad said. Yeah. And I said this on one of our spaces. I mean, you can't tell a black dad what to say about his son. Like people were saying, KJ, Absolutely go tell not. your dad to shut up. Like, bro, that's his dad. Like, <laughs> we happening. all black men here. You don't tell your dad what? I'm, oh, 30, I'm no. 32, man. My dad, I can't tell him, I can't tell my dad what to say. And especially yeah. if my dad was a number one overall pick in the sport yeah. that I played. So he's getting backlash for actions that are out of his control. The dude has not never been a diva. He's been yeah. a stand-up professional, not an issue from him. He shows up. He plays hard, effort. He cuts. He does all the things he's supposed to do. He's, to me, out of, out of, you know, I'd prefer him over Tate. He's a young prospect, and I just don't see why people are so down on him right now. Yeah, and and I think that was one because I don't have I don't really go too much in on well Salah did this wrong Salah did this wrong because they're a rebuilding team I mean they're just not really yeah. a good team but one of the things he has hasn't done a good job of is getting KJ Martin minutes it just seems like actually at some point he was actually playing less minutes this year than he played last year yeah. which didn't really make a lot of sense I, I'm not exactly sure it's almost like they don't know what to do with KJ Martin it's almost like he didn't. They really didn't think KJ Martin was going to be as good as he is already. It was. Yeah. They thought maybe he was going to be a project, and now he's playing as well as he is. So now they don't know exactly what to do with him, and they really like Tate, and they want to get Matthews minutes because of the shooting. So he seemed like KJ a lot Eason of times. Easton now too. Easton now and added in. And now you add in Easton. Now it's going to be like it's, maybe he's just going to be the odd man out. Um. So 
it's it's just going to be really interesting how they're going to divvy up these minutes because you have a real log jam at the shooting guard slash small sport a small forward spot, and something's going to have to give one way or another. I mean, me personally, I think it's going to be if everybody stays around. I think Garrison Matthews is going to be the odd man out. Honestly, he may play in spot minutes, but he just doesn't give enough on the other areas for them to you know play him over KJ Martin or play him over Jay Sean Tate or play him over Eason. I mean, it's right. it's so many options now that Matthew's probably going to end up being the odd man out, probably the 10th, 11th man on the roster. Yeah. Um, before we wrap it up, I wanted to actually ask you about something else that you brought up about a Shane Goon and playing Jabari at, at the five spot. Do you see a, a scenario or actually something that may happen more often than not of where Jabari finishes the game at five and Shane Goon may not even be playing to end the game? I mean, I know everybody wants Shane Goon to play 40 minutes a game, but – I mean, he still does have limitations on the defensive end and also his shooting to where Silas may just see what Jabari did in summer league and what they're probably going to experiment with him in preseason, play him at the five. Do you see that as something that's going to be a, a end-of-the-game situation where we see Smith at the five and Easton at the four and probably if Gordon's still around, Gordon at the small forward position? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any issues with that at all. Because I mean, where who is Shangun? I mean, I've seen um, what's his name, uh, Joe Kidd. No, no, I love I me. Mean, y'all know I make videos about Shangun. I mean, yeah. but right now, I mean, come on. He's, he's still, I know we love our guys, but you know, let's let's be exactly. real. Come on, yep. I seen them bench. If they can bench uh, Nikola Jokic in the middle of a playoff game for yeah. for defense, while he's coming in and out just to play offense, then yeah. okay. And even uh. I remember when the Raptors had Mark Gasol. There are certain matchups, even the, the year they won the chip, where he didn't close their game. Yeah, yeah. And they would take him off the court. There are certain games he didn't play at all. And you know that's just stuff you gotta. It's about winning ball games. And I think Shingun's talent is important to have on a team because he gives you a change of pace. But I could imagine, let's say in three years from now, we're all on the team and all the players are there and. You get a, a matchup where Jabari just plays and Shangun yeah. doesn't see any minutes. That happens in the NBA, and I wouldn't, I'd be fine with. And I think that's eventually what's going to end up happening, where yeah. it's just going to be based on what, what, what is the matchup we're facing for this series or this game? Uh, who's going to get to go at what position? Yeah, and that's kind of. I, Jabari wasn't my number one guy. I don't want to go back into the draft stuff, but <laughs> I, I always knew that. I never had a problem with the Rockets drafting any of the top three. But the more I look at Jabari, the more you realize Jabari is the type of player that can't be played off the court. I mean, with the other two guys, you're going to have a, uh, some type of situation where maybe Chet can't play because he's too slow off the switches or Paulo can't play because he's not really that great when he's on a one-on-one defense situation. There's not really a situation where Jabari is not going to be a good enough shooter or he's not going to be able to play good enough defense to where they're going to have to take him off the court because he can't play in certain situations. So, I mean, I agree with you. I like Shangun. I think Shangun could be a really good player. But, I mean, he's not exactly like he's been in the league 10 years. He's not a superstar player. Right. I think some people just need to realize that he has limitations. As much as we like Shangun and we like the memes and we like all that stuff, he has limitations. There's some stuff that no matter how good he get, he's probably not going to be able to do on the court that other players can do. It's just a simple fact. So in three or four years' time, Shangun may not be the starting center. KPJ may not be the smart, smart uh, point guard. I can even admit that as much as I defend Kevin Porter Jr. So I think people just need to realize that as much as we like these players now, these players may not even be around when the Rockets are really contending for playoff spots or home court advantage you may not even see a lot of these players on the court. So we just have to come to that conclusion that some of these players, they may be good for now, but they may not be good on a playoff team. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, one more quick thing before we uh, before we wrap it up. Me and AD were kind of talking about this off air. Do you think there's any chance that Coach Silas doesn't make it past this year? Do you think it's any circumstance that the Rockets – don't win enough games or the worst team in the league by a mile to where they won't let him finish out his contract. And I hate bringing that up on his birthday, but it's just something. Oh, today's that, his birthday. I, okay. Yes. Today's his birthday. I didn't, I don't want to bring up about him getting fired on his birthday, but I am interested <laughs> to get your take on that. So do you think there's any circumstance where they say, okay, we can't bring it back next year. Or do you see them saying, okay, we're still rebuilding. He has one more year on his contract. We're going to bring him back for this next year, regardless of what happens this uh, upcoming season. 
I think the only circumstance that would lend to that, if there's uh, player issues where there's the there's dysfunction within the locker room, and it seems like he's not able to control that. Other than that, you know, I know there was some pressure last year, some leaks or whatever about the team possibly looking to move him uh, during the the losing streak. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's only honestly, I'm I'm a you know I've criticized Coach Silas, and I think he, he's even admitted that as a young coach, he has a lot to that he needs to work on. Yeah. Uh, to improve himself, but um, I don't think he's gotten a fair shake. So even we can't even really say we've assessed his coaching acumen right now until uh, he gets the, the the things that he needs. I mean, the roster construction last year was horrible. Yes, you know, like we didn't have a, a, a center, a real center. Christian Wood was not a center, and yeah. having Alp is the the one big. I mean, you have Portate out there guarding everybody. <laughs> And yeah. led the league in fouls because of that. And, you know, and so I think for him, this year is going to be a big year for him. That's why I do. I don't uh, assume that they're going to be try to be bad because I think he understands where this is going. Because yeah. usually the first coach that gets in on these things ain't the one. So yeah. he, he's likely going to not be here the long on the long term. And I look at it as a, as him as a black coach is that this is your first shot as a head coach and your resume, regardless of whether you are being a team soldier by, okay, we want to yeah. tank or do this. Nobody trying to hear that when you send out that resume. Oh yeah. Well, we were trying to be bad. All they see is what yeah. they see. Do you want to be the coach that has three of the worst losing records for three years in a row that has the worst defense in the league for three years in a row on your resume? And I think yeah. for him, he has a lot of um, incentive this year to try to turn that around. So I do expect them to be better. I think it's important for him to for them to show strides because this, you know, the the business is unforgiving, and this might be his shot at being a head coach. Because uh, regardless of what the Rockets want to do, it's hurting him and his uh, reputation around the league as a as a coach. Great point. As we finish this first segment, and something I always point out a lot. I mean, being a black coach, I mean, I know the NBA is the probably most progressively. They have more black coaches than everybody else. But at the end of the day, being a black coach, sometimes you only get one shot. Yeah. And as much as everybody wants the Rockets to tank and, oh, we want to get Wimbyama and we want to be top three. I mean, these are people's lives, basically, we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, Coach Silas doesn't want to continue to lose. This is going on his record. I mean, we don't really judge players by going back and saying, oh, this player was 900 wins and 500 losses. We do that with coaches. So, he doesn't want to continue to lose year after year after year just to get draft picks. Like you said, I mean, it'll, it'll be a Brett Brown situation. I mean, they did all that losing in Philadelphia, and then he basically got none of the benefits of having a really good team around Embiid. He ended up getting fired, and then you see what happens. So at the end of the day, these coaches want to win, especially Coach Silas being a, a black coach in the league. So – I mean, I agree with you. I don't think there's going to be too many circumstances where they end up firing him because I've always believed that he hasn't really had a chance to really show what he can do. I mean, how can you really show what you can do when you've had probably 40 or 50 different players in the time that you've been a head coach? So at the end of the day, he's finally going to get a returning backcourt, a mostly returning team, so we can actually really start to see what he can do as a uh, head coach in the league. Um, that's going to wrap it up in the, for the first segment. Second segment, um, like I discussed earlier, we're going to be going over our, our Mount Rushmore when it comes to Houston Rockets players. I'm going to get the guys' opinion on that. And also, we're going to go over some of the top playoff games that we recent, uh, that we were able to watch as fans um, over the years um, from the Houston Rockets, not including the uh, championship years, but that would be a little bit too easy. So we're going to be talking about that in the second segment. So please stick around. And welcome back to Rocket Field Podcast, presented by Clutch Fans. As you can see, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Anthony Duckett, and I'm also joined by Frank from Chop Shop. And we were talking about, in the first segment, we were talking about Rocket Rotation, of course, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, we broke down some of who we would like to see the Rockets have in their rotations coming up this next season. Uh, the second segment, we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to be talking about uh, some of our favorite players or players we think that should be on the Mount Rushmore of Houston Rockets players. But before we get into that, um, I want to talk about something else that's kind of been popping up on and off the last um, actually few weeks, actually last few months. And it's, it's talking about a former player that's probably going to be on our Mount Rushmore, probably all of ours, um, James Harden. I just want to get Frank's 
opinion on that real quick as far as possibility of him coming back to the Rockets. Because um, my opinion has always been I can't see paying for a, a 33, 34-year-old player that's had injury concerns uh, the last few years, paying him over $40 million plus uh, to come back to a team that hopefully at that time is starting to get ready to actually compete for a playoff spot, but still not ready to compete for a championship. But I want to get your opinion on that, Frank. What's your opinion on the possibility? Because it's it's gonna it's gonna gain steam the closer we get to the end of next year, and him having a chance to opt out of his contract. What is your opinion on the possibility of bringing back James Harden uh, in the next year or two? Um, I've I've thought about this since the conversation came up, and I think I'm gonna surprise y'all. I'm kind of open to it. I'm okay. open to it. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because I feel like there's a play the Rockets can make with this, where after this season they're ready to compete. Yeah. You can rent James for about two or three seasons and give him because we have the money. And I think one of the things I'm assuming is that the free agency market, these guys that we dream of having on our team, a lot of them yeah. don't want to come here. Yeah. I mean, it's very rare that you have a, a, a marquee free agent that wants to go to a losing situation or a team where they, they're trying to go win a chip. And that's the everybody chasing rings now. If you can get James Harden, on on our team to me that almost guarantees us a playoff spot and what better way to get that that the wheels greased of becoming coming back to content contendership than bringing him on with these young guys and then pivoting away right before those rookie extensions would be for your some of these players you're going to pay off so i'm thinking if let's say it you know some magic happens and he is here i'd do something for three you know you could use some of that cap space get him better him than some you know, no, no shade against CJ McCullum, but some guy like that, that's like a mid-tier star that you're going to pay yeah. $40 million at that time to get somebody that, you know, you sell tickets as the, as the fans and to the fans and you can bring a pro Hall of Fame level uh, guard play to a team that has a, lo- a lot of young athletes. Now, the downside, obviously, is going to be some of the, uh, the bad stuff about James that we know about. Obviously, yeah. he is a diva. And uh, then the defense. I mean, the defense is going to be an issue. Um you know, talk about a guy that you're paying $40 million that can't close your games out. You deal with some of the uh, ball-centric things that he deals, and I don't know how that looks with all this investment we have in Jalen and Kevin Porter. But I'm looking at what he's doing in Philly with – um with the, uh, what's what's the guard they got over Maxie. there? Uh, Maxie. Maxie. Maxie Eden. Uh, Embiid Eden. So he's this new facilitator, Harden. It's really what made me change my mind. Like, he's not really trying to score 50 points anymore. He's out there like a point guard and just trying to set up his teammates. Um, if he can add some off-ball actions to his game, then I'm kind of open to it. So, you know, I know that's going to shock a lot of people. And actually, you made a good point about selling tickets. I didn't think about it from that point of view as Tillman Fertitta, especially if they continue to have <laughs> yeah. losing seasons. He may be like, okay, we bring Harden back. We're going to sell the building out. So that's something. Hey, this is the guy that brought well. Russ. This is the guy that brought <laughs> Russ for CP3. So don't put nothing past him. Oh, yeah. Don't, yeah. I don't want to get back into that because that's a whole other episode <laughs> right there. Um, I, and, and before, uh, AD, before you ask your question, um, I already know what you're going to say, but what's your opinion on that? I just don't think that's the best the best uh, use of resources. Um, <laughs> now, if we take like, like a Minnesota Timberwolves type of leap and we feel like we're there, that obviously means we would have seen a lot of development and growth from KPJ, Jalen, Sangoon, and Jabari. I think Jabari's going to fit in really good. Um, if we end up taking a leap like that, then to me it would make sense. I can at least understand it more, adding a Harden. But I also think when it comes to Harden, like at this stage of his career, you know, he's had a lot of wear and tear on his body. We've seen him breaking down in the last few years. And more importantly, I, I don't know, we haven't really seen him be able to recover from injuries. Like he's got the same injuries for years at, at a time or the same hamstring injury for some time now. So I don't know if the recovery uh, is there. Maybe it's because the lifestyle has played into some of that. We'll see. This offseason, they're talking about, you know, his diet is different. You know, he's taking this serious. Um, I don't really know, you know, when it comes to that, is he going to be available? Um, we know he's very durable when he was here. But, again, he's got a lot of wear and tear, a lot of mileage on those tires, you know. I also don't think it will be $40 million. I mean, he took a pay cut, and he's making almost that right now in the current deal. So I feel like if he does that and comes back to Houston, I think he's going to ask for more, way more than that, you know. And then you start getting into, yeah, we have, we're going to have cap space, but you know, he'll be eating up so much of that. And like you said, you know, can't really close games. 
I'm not so much worried about the defense because he was a really good post defender uh, some years when he was here, per se. More so about putting the effort in. I think if that happens, I I think it depends on who the coach is because I don't know that Mm -hmm. Silas, at at that point, a young guy like like Silas, would be able to have some reach to a proven vet like a James Harden MVP, multi-time scoring champ. You know, I feel like you would need a different coach if you end up doing that. D'Antoni return? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm curious to see what Dan. Well, no, never mind, because he doesn't care about young players. But uh, yeah, I was curious because I haven't seen. Uh, but that's a great point with the uh, with the coaching. Yeah, because yeah. I think Harden would walk over uh, our current regime. Yeah. So, yeah. oh yeah, that that'll be another <laughs> issue. I, but real quick before we get into the the actual topic we're going to talk about, I just think that the free agents market may help him as far as because it's not really a lot of. Big, there's not really any big time free agents that I think are actually going to be available uh, this next upcoming season. So that could play into it. Um, but me personally, I would just like them to have flexibility because the way we see stars now, they requesting trades left and right. Somebody that you think that's under contract for multiple years. Now they can easily request a trade out and you want to kind of be in position to maybe even have a chance to even get these players. So, I mean, end of the day, um, I think that, it's definitely a possibility, um, but and you also got to figure out: Does James Harden want to be with the Rockets? I think that if they don't win a ring this year, I think it's a lot less likely that he comes back to Houston because I think that he still wants to win that ring. Now, if they win a the ring, then I think those chances kind of go up because um, then at that point, then he has what he wants, and then he can come home and finish his career. But I think, this, like you were saying, Frank, this next season is going to be huge for him as far as whether he's going to stay healthy or not. And as far as whether Philadelphia is actually going to get him a ring, because at the end of the day, I think that's really the only thing left for him is to win a championship. Um, now, do we, we think that happens for them? Do we think Philadelphia wins a ring this year? Because I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm not either. I don't think no. so. Yeah, I don't. I, honestly, I, I still see them as probably like the third or fourth team, just because yeah. I, I yeah. still think that I, – I, honestly, I still think Milwaukee has yes. the best chance. I think they probably would have – they may have won last year if they would have been healthy last year. So, yeah. Because Giannis is just – I know people don't want to hear that, especially after we talk about Harden, Harden. But Giannis is a beast. I mean, yeah. most people hate on Giannis. I mean, he completely changes the game on both sides of the court. So, Man. yeah, I don't I, – I still think Philadelphia is like a, a three or a four seed anyway. But, yeah. you know, yeah. who knows what happens. I mean, heck, maybe – all the superstars in the East get hurt next year. Who knows? So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, one of the next topic we want to get into is um, I wanted to ask both the guys about their Mount Rushmore of Houston Rockets players. Um, so I'll start with you, Frank. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of uh, Houston Rockets? And how many how many players we are we are we talking about here? So we're going to be doing five. five. Okay, my, my, my five um, – my number one Mount Rushmore player, just from basically my childhood and era, got to be Steve Francis. And right. I know some everybody say Dream to me. That's everybody just kind of going along. I watched Dream, <laughs> but that was my dad's. Like I was a kid watching Dream, so I uh-huh. really didn't get to appreciate it yeah. like as much as like you know when you were older, you understand the game better. I understood the game watching Steve, and I think because he came here young, we grew up with him. Yeah. Obviously, it didn't end up the way it wanted to, but. I'm a huge Steve Francis fan. Yeah, I was yeah. a sta- they had stands back then, and we were talking about how these kids are on Twitter. I'd be believers yeah. on Twitter about Steve Francis. <laughs> so he's uh, my number one there. Um, then obviously Hakeem, um, big you know influence on you yeah. know on the city of Houston. Um, I, you know he's just you know to me he's the the greatest rocket. I think he's very underrated uh, for how great of a player he was in the NBA as a whole for what his skill set was. Uh, being able to shoot, being able to defend, pretty much he can switch out. I mean, hell, if, if Jabari can touch what Dream was doing, he'd be doing something. Okay. And I think you don't see those athletes. You can plant Dream in any era, and he would be a one-for-one. So can you imagine him in today's game just shooting threes and, like, guarding one through five? So him, um, I'm going to go with Yao Ming uh, next, uh, along with the Steve thing, a lot of nostalgia there. I love Jiao, uh, you know, for all the stuff. I'm going to go with uh, Coutinho Mobley because yeah. that's my era uh, for the fourth player. Big oh, Coutinho. wow. Yeah, big Cat fan. <laughs> uh, cat. To me, once, <laughs> once, one of the things, if he was playing today, man, making a lot of money. A guy that can shoot, true. stress the floor, he can ball handle. Yep. I mean, 
that that two guard that's so dynamic, you don't find them, and he's just a bucket, and he can play a little defense. So um, I love Cat. Yeah. I'm not a T Mac fan, man. So I know people waiting on it. He's not on my Mount Rushmore of, <laughs> of, of Rockets player. And then I'm gonna go with Clyde. Yeah. Um, you know, Clyde is is gonna be uh, the guy. Um, I, you know, I love Clyde as a kid. You know, obviously I love him because you know as a kid you like guys that can dunk. And yeah. I just <laughs> so, but you know, just understanding his game and what he brought to the Rockets uh, when he came here. Um, and just, uh, you know, the role he played in uh, kind of getting us uh, to where we needed to go. Um, I would say that's my top five. And I don't like T-Mac because you know why? Because we traded Steve Francis for T-Mac. So, uh, that's <laughs> oh, it, it, was a, it was a lot of people were mad when that trade went down. I was, I bro, I, I didn't watch basketball for like, for like five months. Man. Like, I was <laughs> down bad. Like, and and real quick, what, what made it worse was you know, when Steve went to first went to Orlando, he was balling out. He was hitting game yep. winners and doing yep. all, a bunch remember, of stuff for Orlando. I, remember so. I was sick, man. But yeah, that's, <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, guys. If y'all are T Mac fans, I can't. I'm still not over that. I still don't like him to this day for it. I don't care what anybody says. Sorry, T Mac, if you listen. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we love you, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, AD, what about you? So my Mount Rushmore, the, the number one is Olajuwon for obvious reasons. Kind of a lot, lot of what what Frank said. Um, arguably, I think the most skilled player in league history. Uh, I don't think that's really an argument or a debate. But Olajuwon's um, my number one. Number two is Harden, uh, which I, I hate to say because I don't really like. Oh, I'm skill. sorry. Wait, wait, wait. I'm. I'm a. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I, think you, I think you had one more. I removed Harden from there. Not on purpose, actually. He is on my Mount Rushmore. I think right. I just after we talked about him being gone, I just removed him from the Rockets in my mind. The way he exited the team, I okay. He just but got erased. Yeah. I'm not gonna hate Harden, bro. Harden is on the Mount Rushmore, and I'll bump out. Uh, uh, what's his name? I could even take out Cat uh, off of there for him, yeah. but James right, Harden. We'll, we'll, we'll allow that. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> I'll edit. I'll edit that out. Yeah, it is. <laughs> more people come for my neck, man. But yeah, yeah, he's on my Rushmore. Okay, go ahead, my bad, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so I got hard number two. I mean, he had some legendary games here, um, and it, it didn't really matter who the coach was. Although he got snubbed because of playing style or whatever the case, people didn't like that he scored a lot, yeah. you know. Um, but I have hard number two, three. I have Yao as well. Um, I, I, it's a shame that we were robbed of injuries. I feel like so much of Yao's prime you know, was taken away because of injury, which is not uncommon for somebody his height, his size. You know, some of the injuries are going to happen when you're, you know, that that tall. Um, but I also like the fact that it was like a franchise reset when we got Yao. Yeah. You know, um, even though we didn't really have a lot of playoff success, except 09, um, which, without without T-Mac, ironically. And I was a really big T-Mac guy. I, I love the Orlando T-Mac. Love Orlando yeah, T-Mac. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I remember when he dropped 62, I watched that game. Um, I had the shoes. I went and bought me a leg sleeve because he wore a leg sleeve too. <laughs> Man, I, I was a big T Mac Orlando fan. He was, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it was a little different because the injuries again. Back injury, right. yeah. Yeah, which some of that started in Orlando as well. Um, but yeah, so T Mac's not, he's not on my Mount Rushmore. So three, I have Yao. Four, I have Moses Malone because the dude has some legendary performances, man. Yep. And if you, if, if the stuff that he was doing, if that was happening now today, like, people would not stop talking about it, you, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, dude's averaging, like, 20 rebounds in a season. That's insane. Easily, you know? yeah. Um, and then five, I actually have Rudy Tomjanovich, not yeah. just a player, but also mm. I'm, I'm kind of – I'm cheating a little bit because I'm factoring in the <laughs> player slash coach yeah. role that he had. Um, so, I just like for the overall franchise, Rudy T is kind of an icon. Um, well, is an icon from the playing and coaching standpoint. So, those are my top yeah. five. T-Mac is probably an honorable mention. Because uh, I like T Mac a lot, but yeah. he, he's to me, and for me, he's not above any of the other five that, that I named. I'm mad. I love T Mac in uh, yeah. Orlando, and I, in a vacuum, I look like back in that era. If y'all remember, it was like T Mac, Kobe, yep. Vince Carter, all these right wings, AI. Uh, Michael Red, AI. You had Ray yeah. Allen, all these wings that like were the stars. So I loved him then. It was just a trait. Just me <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can understand that. Uh, yeah. So for mine, it's going to be, of course, Hakeem. I mean, that that goes without saying. Uh, my number two is actually James Harden. As much as I hate how he left, I mean, you, you can't hate on what he. I mean, he right. was, he's yeah. the number two greatest Rocket of all time, no yeah. matter what nobody say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number three actually is going to be um, for me is Calvin Murphy. People, okay. I, I I mean, I barely remember him because I mean, I was really really young, but I mean. 
for the longest time, he led the Rockets in scoring. He led the Rockets in assists. Um, Akeem didn't take over the scoring lead from him until like 1994. I mean, people always forget about Calvin. They just remember from his broadcasting days. But as a player, I mean, he was like one of the – he was one of the best Rockets players of all time. So, a Calvin Murphy is definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Um, definitely Moses Malone. I mean, he was a two-time MVP for the Rockets. I mean, how can you not put him on there? And like you were saying, AD, if, if people were able to watch him now, um, how he was performing back then – I mean, he was basically dragging horrible Rockets team to the finals. I mean, that's how great Moses Malone was. Um, then uh, probably would say my uh, last player was probably going to be Yao Ming, just because when he came in, I mean, the hype for him when he was coming in. I mean, what he was able to do at seven foot six. Again, the same thing with McGrady with the injuries, which is a shame that we didn't get to see him um, do more on the court. I actually remember when he first played Shaq. I mean, yeah. I don't know if y'all remember how big of a deal that was. I mean, yeah. it's a shame that a lot of people now that are real young that weren't around then. But, I mean, that was almost like a freaking Super Bowl event. That was <laughs> when crazy. I remember when that. When y'all first um, went up against Shaq, I mean, everybody yeah. was talking about it. I mean, it was yeah. billions of people in China was checking it out. Yeah. And then they actually won the game, and he actually played – Pretty well against. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, he blocked Shaq like three or four times. Yep. I mean, it was a huge deal back then. So, did I mean, a lot of talking before that game. Too. He did, <laughs> man. Wasn't he doing like low key racist, like all this, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. It was wild, yeah. man. And I mean, the, different the era. Whole, <laughs> yeah, you could. Oh, he could absolutely not get away with that now. <laughs> he would absolutely be canceled. But and the whole Charles Barkley thing, a kissing the mule's ass, and all that. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was yeah. just it was a wild time back then, just to say the least. But yeah, y'all definitely will be on my uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, so one other thing we want to get to is our top playoff game before we wrap up the uh, show. So again, Frank, I wanted to start with you, and we're just going to do three, uh, just to keep it you know keep it sh- short and simple because we're doing it outside of championship years. And even though there has been some success with the Rockets, unfortunately, it hasn't been any more championship success since the nineties. So uh, Frank, I want to start with you. What's your three? Uh, ones that you remember, it doesn't even have to be what everybody else thinks is the best one, but ones that you remember the most um, outside of the championship years. Most of mine are going to be recent just because I really think, and just honorable mention, man, I know he only played two years. I would, Chris Paul in my top 10 for uh, Rockets players. I just think just who he is as a player, but you know, this is just not in any order. I would say one of my favorite games to watch in recent years was the Jazz game that Chris Paul had, where yeah. he had 45, I think, and 10 assists with no turnovers, or, or 42, whatever it was, and dragged us because James Harden forgot how to play basketball for that game. <laughs> um, and I think that yeah. was a pivotal game for us uh, in that in 2018 um, for us to get, you know, even to get through because that would have there was a chance if Jazz won that that would have went seven. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a game that sticks out to me, um, as one of my favorites. Um, another game I would say, I'm going to, let me, let me do a hard one of my favorite, um, Harden playoff games was, um, actually the one where in the, I think it was 2019, there was a game where his, his eyes were, were, uh, where he got hit in the eye and something like Great that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And for me, those, that series, even though we lost it, um, his performance there was significant because that was one of the times you start seeing him little by little every year. He gets over the hump of some of his playoff trouble. Yeah. And I think that was one of his best just overall series um, uh, that he played as a player. And the third would probably be the um, trying to think the game where, uh, oh, Lord, who were we playing with? Ron Artest. Oh, uh, um, yeah, was that was his, yeah uh, I think it was I think it was Portland because they hadn't won a playoff series in like yes years. that yeah the Ron Artest game yeah where yeah. he just yeah where he basically uh, just sealed the game for us and got us out of that uh, that first round um, I think was that a Van Gundy team or uh, that was oof. I can't remember if it was a Van Gundy or Rick Allerman team I can't remember it might have been right around that time right where now. I think Van Gundy was heading on his way out that was Adamant. That was Adam. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. I, that Adam, was Adam. Yeah. Yep. I, and, yeah. Uh, and let me even hold on. I'm going to yeah. go over to that and look at that. Yeah, that that was definitely Adam. And they, they were in the playoffs uh, that year. And uh, 
that game, just Ron Artest just doing that and getting into the uh, – I think somebody posted it. Was it uh, Clutch fans that posted the video of uh, him going into the stands? And going into the stands, yeah, yeah. Just, that. Just, <laughs> just beautiful, man. I remember as a kid, I used to stay up late. Like, you know, you had school in the morning, and back then you, uh, we had the athletic bus because um, I forgot what sport I was in, but I used to stay up to, like, man, midnight just watching yeah. the games and watching the post-game coverage. And I just remember me and my brother just laying in it because we slept in the same bed, uh, watching them games. And, uh, yeah. yeah, that was definitely a special uh, time for me. But, yeah, those are my top three uh, playoff yeah. moments. And, and real quick on that, because, yeah, that was the – Ron Chess was only with the Rockets for one year. The Rockets couldn't get out of the first round. They hadn't got out of the first round since, like uh, – 97 because um, every year they would after Akeem was out of course we know Francis um, that yeah. Francis Yao didn't work out then Yao McGrady could never get out of the yeah. first round because Utah kept beating them every freaking year yeah. and then Ron just comes here and then they finally get out of that first round and then they take the Lakers to that seven games. And then the yep. next year, Ron Artest tra- uh, betrays all the Rockets fans and goes to plays for the Lakers. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that was definitely a great game, man. I definitely remember that. It was in Houston. It was, it was great, man. They it was crazy. The first round. It yeah. was crazy, man. Just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, AD, what's your uh, three? So, one of the games that, that uh, Frank mentioned, that Chris Paul Jazz game, where he closed them out, I think he had 41 that game. That yeah. that, that was an incredible performance. Um, that game was on my list. I also like, you, you guys, I don't know if you guys remember this. This was during the 15, 16 year where we went 41 and 41. We fired Mikael to 10 games. Mm-hmm. Um, that There was a series against the Warriors that year. Uh, where we almost got swept hard and actually uh, he actually had a game winner. I think it was a step back game winner. Uh, I think it was might have been game three or game four. Mid, mid-range step, step back. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, mid-range step back. And that really, if you think about it, it's still kind of hard in the signature, like, playoff moment. People say he doesn't yeah. have one. Now, granted, it was a meaningless game three, you know. Um, but considering how much better that team was than our Rockets th- that year, yeah. you know, that, that that was a pretty pretty cool moment to see. Um, and then I also like that that uh, in a Clippers series uh, the year before, 14, oh, 15, yeah, 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 yeah. the yeah. game where we had to – we sat game. hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Corey Brewer and J.R. Smith was just like – Jason you know, Terry, like, yep. Yeah, yep. That, 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 that was a fun time. And then there are also some uh, some Lakers-Rockets games where – just remember Shane Battier's defense on Kobe. He made it as yeah. hard as possible. Yeah. And Kobe used face. to bust my ass because Kobe still just <laughs> makes those kind of shots yeah. and he would just keep taking them. But um, just the defense that Battier played on Kobe, like he literally had a hand in his face the whole series. Yep. And Kobe was just still taking those shots, you know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so so they're, they're actually quite quite a bit of moments, but I feel like those are my three. And then that that Battier versus Kobe matchup was was fun to see too. Yeah, and was that Harden game? Was that the um, Memorial Day flood game where they were stuck no. in the arena, or was that that was after? No, was, I think that was after. That was a series before. Yeah, the flood that was, was, a, was, it was like after. in April. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was early. Yeah, it was Dallas. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that was that Dallas. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. Hey, I'm gonna yeah. throw. Let me throw in one more game. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, just an sure. honorable mention. Uh, game five, 2018, Chris Paul, where he shimmied on Steph. Oh yeah, that game oh, yeah. had me. That was that was like one of the highest. Then we get into the lowest lows, but that was a yep. high high, man. Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, that was that was a high. Yeah. Oh yeah, you couldn't tell me nothing that day, but yeah, oh, well, we know how that worked out. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, my three and I actually the first one I'm gonna take way back, and it actually is a game that they lost. Um, I know a lot of the old heads actually remember this game. It was actually 1993 when the Rockets lost in seven games to Seattle and Keem just went crazy. I think he had like 40 points, 20 rebounds. They lost in overtime. But it kind of led to them actually – that led to the championship years because they couldn't beat Seattle, and Seattle was tough. But it, it really showed that the Rockets actually started to actually compete. And, I mean, I just remember that game. It was, it was wild. I mean, it was back in the Sam Perkins days and Nate McMillan and the Rockets-Seattle series, man. They, it was always great series. So, I mean – that was a great game, even though they lost, but it led to something greater the following two years. So that's the only reason I can even bring that up now, just because they did win championships after right. that. Um, definitely the uh, Aaron Brooks Lakers game. Um, oh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, I think it was game <laughs> six um, in Houston where they were getting, um, they had a chance, the Lakers had a chance to close them out, and the Rocks absolutely destroyed them in game six. I think Aaron Brooks had like 30 points. 
Um, they beat the Lakers by like 20 or 30 points that game. And then it forced a game seven. Of course, they lost game seven. But um, that game was wild. It was in Houston. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, it was like during the day. It was like one of those mid-games. And, I mean, Aaron Brooks just went crazy that game. I mean, he had a shot before the half where they threw an alley-oop pass to him from mid-court. <laughs> he laid it up. Uh, I mean, it, it was like one of the best games I've ever watched, one of the loudest I've ever heard of uh, Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to beat the Lakers, this was after Yao had got hurt. I think it was like game three. Um, Yao had got hurt, and they still pushed him to seven games. So that series was just wild. And then, of course, like the one y'all have already mentioned with the Clippers, um, I mean, I, I still remember right before when they took Harden out, I, honestly, I thought at that point it was over. I thought they was going to get knocked out of the playoffs and we were going to have to hear for another whole season how horrible Harden is. And this was back when, of course, we were defending Harden left and right. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, and then just to watch them just slowly keep coming back and coming back. And then Jason Terry hit a shot. Then Josh Smith hits another three. And then freaking Corey Brewer is knocking down threes left and right. I mean, that – that game will always stick in my head. And just I remember the Craig Ackerman call uh, on that game. I mean, it, it, it was just crazy. And just just to see Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, you, you kind of already mm-hmm. knew what was going to happen that next day. You knew that the Rockets were going to win that game seven. And a lot of people always forget that game seven, Harden actually balled out in game seven. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he was on the bench in game six, don't get me wrong, but that game seven, that was just that was just crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that was definitely my, my top three um, Rockets playoff games. Uh, one more thing before we wrap it up, I want to kind of get both your ideas. I mean, it's real, real early, but going into next season, what's kind of y'all feel on what the Rockets' record possibly can be? A, a, a win range of what the Rockets' uh, record is going to be uh, after uh, next season. Now I'll start with you, Frank. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm what I hope. You know, it could be worse, um, but I'm thinking 25 to 30 wins. Yeah. Um, so they won 20 games last year. And if you look at the season, like I said, the roster construction was horrible. Yeah. Um, Christian Wood, um, as offensively talented as he was, he really if you really watch film on him man, he he really hurt the team with his play. And uh, the because a lot of the, the team concepts in the five out offense are, are predicated on that five being able to screen and kind of be like a all around utility person. Like it's not about you as the five you're the five out is for those guards to get advantages and you're like a secondary, but he made himself the primary. It really messed up a lot of stuff. Then the defense was just, you know, we're not going to talk about that, but um, horrible. I think you put Jabari on, like you put Jabari in because that's who Jabari is going to replace is Christian Wood. Yeah. Um, I think to me, that's worth a couple wins. I think the fact that our young guys are going to take, uh, they're going to be a year older. Kevin Porter's coming into year four, Jalen Green year two. They get a summer of being NBA players, working out with NBA trainers. They get come back to the same playbook. Coach Silas is a little more comfortable. I think that's worth a couple wins too. So I'll add, you know, maybe six or seven wins to the uh, to the twenty they had. And teams are going to be tanking, so I, I can yeah. see a scenario with that too. So I think maybe between twenty five and thirty wins would be a good step for them. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of in the same same window, same range as Frank. I feel like twenty five, thirty. Uh, I think there's just too much talent on a roster right now to to be. Anything less than that. That's why I feel like if it is less than that, then it's probably Silas last year. Yep. Because it's just too much, it's just too much talent on a, on the roster to, yeah. to not be able to squeeze out. I mean, 25 wins is is still a bad season. Right. So I mean, even yeah. even if you if you can't get 25 wins with this talent, you know, I, I think there's some issues. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of where I've been where I think around the 25, 27 range, I think it's fair enough. Um, I know a lot of people want them to be the worst team in the league again but i just like you were saying ad i just think there's too much talent i think kpj another year experience of running the team and then i think people are i know people were really high on Jalen green but i think people are sleeping on how big of a jump Jalen green can take in that second year i mean we saw with anthony edwards how big of a jump yeah. he took to where he's a star level player now i mean not to say that Jalen green is going to average 25 points a game but to say that he's not going to average, to say that he can average 20, 21 points a game next year, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, he averaged 17 points a game last year, and even more in the second half of the season. So I just think adding Jabari improves the defense, which was absolutely the worst defense in the league last year. Probably one of the worst defenses I've seen as a Rockets fan since I've been watching the Rockets all these decades. I mean, it was just bad. Um, so you get any type of improvement in your defense uh, um, next year, like Frank said that should give you at least a few wins by itself. 
and then you factor in that you actually have some continuity with the team this year, I can see 25 to 26 wins. And if they get that, I'm fine with everything else because that means that your players are developing. That means that the coach is finally getting through to some of these guys as far as what he wants on the court. So to me, that's good enough. They don't have to make the play in for the coach to keep his job. I just want to see some improvement and a few more wins tonight because I'm I'm, honestly, I'm tired of watching losing basketball. I'm sorry. I'm getting to a point where I don't want to keep watching them lose every single year just to get high draft picks because I I don't want to keep talking about the top three picks every year. I don't want to do that. So I'm ready to see some playoff basketball again. Um, So that's going to do it for today's show. But before we wrap it up, uh, Frank, why don't you let uh, everybody know again where to find all your great content? Yeah, definitely. Appreciate y'all having me. This was definitely fun. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ftank58, ftank58. And then uh, I uh, contribute content to the HTX Chop Shop. Uh, That's a YouTube channel. Uh, We do pods, uh, analysis, videos, highlights, all the whole works focused on Rockets content. So, you know, this these uh, off-season times where everybody's kind of starved for stuff. <laughs> yes. um, we, we try to fill in the gap with stuff as y'all are doing as well. So, no, I appreciate y'all having me. This was fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We definitely plan on having you back yeah, on. Sure. And like, like you said, make sure you're checking out Frank because uh, he always has actual basketball content, not just a bunch of hot takes, which I always appreciate. Yeah. Um, so yeah. make sure you definitely check it out, especially during these – off season where everybody's just going crazy, not having anything to talk about. So I appreciate you coming on Frank. And as usual, AD, my co-host, I appreciate you being on. And I'll definitely see you again next week. For sure. For sure. Thanks again, Frank. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate it. I'll get you back on again. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate y'all. Definitely. Um, That's going to do it for today's show. As always, we appreciate everybody that comes on every week. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is on Clutch Fan site. You can always check out our videos there. Make sure you're checking out our audio podcast. You can get it anywhere where you get your audio podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, Audible, wherever you get your podcast. We're on there and make sure that you are giving us five stars. We appreciate it. I mean, four stars is fine, but we definitely want those five stars. So make sure you're checking out us out every week. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fan.